Amen, amen. Can you guys give it up for them? Come on, they showed up in some ugly clothes. Amen. Do me a favor. Would you give somebody next to you a nice big hug? Say, welcome home. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. Come on, give somebody a Christmas hug. Christmas hug. Say, welcome home to the house of God. Man, before we do anything, I want to take two minutes or so to pray. Can we pray over these next few moments of the word? Come on. I'm going to invite you. I know you've been sitting and you're cozy. But can we stand up for two seconds and begin to bless the name of the Lord? If you don't know what type of church we are, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we believe that Jesus didn't just die on the cross, but he rose up on the third day with all power in his hand. Come on. My Jesus is on the cross one day. He's on the throne the next day, and he's still seated in the throne. Come on, can we just take two minutes to pray? God, we worship you. God, we magnify you. God, we exalt you, Lord. Come on, for just two minutes, can you put Jesus back on the throne of your heart, back on the throne of your mind, back on the throne where he belongs? Jesus, you are the beginning and the end. You're the Alpha and the Omega. Come on, where are my prayer warriors at? Where are those who pray to God in secret and in quiet places? Come on, this is your moment. Holy Spirit, we magnify you. We elevate your name. God, we're not here for a feeling. We're here because our faith is in you, God. Our faith is in Jesus. Come on, anybody grateful for Jesus Christ today? God, you are the Alpha and the Omega. You're the beginning and the end. Come on, lift your hands. That's what he wants. He wants your praise. He wants your worship. God, you're number one in my family. God, you're number one in my household. God, you're number one in my finances. God, you're number one in my city. God, this church is an avenue of transformation. God, do something in my heart. Change me from the inside out. God, continue to mold me. Continue to shape me. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Would you lift your hands if you are in need of healing right now? We've been praying all service for healing. I believe that he is the great healer. He's the great physician. What is impossible for our God? What is impossible for our God? There is nothing impossible for you. God, you are capable of doing the impossible, God. I pray healing in this place. God, we pray over the teaching and preaching of your word. Jesus, after every sermon you preached, after every parable you told, you said, he who has ears, let him hear. Because there's a difference between hearing and listening. So God, we can all hear a sermon today, but are we receptive to your word? God, I'm ready to receive. Are we in tune to what the Spirit is saying? Come on, say a dangerous prayer. Speak to me, God. Thank you for allowing the family of faith, God, to be here today, another Sunday. We don't take Sundays for granted. Thank you, Jesus, because we, we lifted you up in song. God, we lifted you up with our worship and in our generosity. And now, God, we need you to speak to us. A word can change my life in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for every single family in here, every single person represented here. I don't know what your story is, but I know that God is in your story. I don't know what, what chapter your movie is in, but I know that the director, come on, he, he's in your corner. He's in your corner. God, we thank you for what you're doing. I pray you speak to us. I pray all these things. And everyone says amen and amen. Come on, hug, hug someone else before you sit down and say, it's Christmas, yo. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. 
Amen. I'm asking the band to stay up with me. It might be a spicy Sunday. Amen. I uh, thank you. My name is John. For those of you who don't know me, I'm the young adult pastor here. I was just speaking at our Pointianic campus. Come on, the Holy Spirit is moving in our campuses, y'all. Holy Spirit is moving in our campuses. I'm so glad you came to church today. Honestly, everybody here, especially first-time guests, I know it's so hard and awkward to raise your hand in a room full of people you do not know. But to all the guests that didn't raise their hand or if you're in the room, I want to say thank you so much for coming to church today. It means the world that you came. Can we celebrate and thank God for all of our first-time guests? Come on, can we thank God for them? Thank you so much. We celebrate you because if heaven is a reality and hell is a reality, the church should always be filled with people who don't know Jesus. Come on, if you believe that, can you shout amen? Do I have a church in here that knows how to shout down? Come on, somebody. I know it was 1 o'clock. But, man, if you're a guest, thank you so much for coming. And for the family members and the church people that are constantly inviting, inviting people to church, thank you for being the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. We started a, we started a series uh, a little a little around a couple weeks ago called Christmas at New Birth, and I have the honor and the privilege of continuing this series. The title of today's topic and sermon is, is very simple, and it's the gospel of Christmas. Is anybody taking notes today? Where are my note takers at? Are you here? All right. Man, take notes. Notes is so, so you don't leave church with a bunch of feelings, but you leave with some things written down that God has spoken to you. I pray you write some of the things we write on, on screens. I pray you write some of the things the Holy Spirit impresses on your heart. Come on, let's say it together. The gospel of Christmas. This is a season you probably hear in church circles called Advent. It's the Advent season, which my first point today is this. I want to define that, and that's this. Advent is the coming of Christ. We believe that Advent is celebrated during Christmas because this is when Jesus came. But how many guys know we still celebrate Advent because Jesus is coming back for his church? Come on. Who's ready for the return of Jesus? Come on. I don't know about you, but I'm ready. So in this season, we celebrate Advent, which is the coming of Christ, not only 2,000 years ago in a manger, but also till he returns again. I'd like to read together Matthew chapter 1, verses 18. We're going to start there. Because here's the truth. The master is here. The Savior has come. So there is good news in this gospel. That's what gospel means. Gospel just means good news. There is good news in the gospel of Christmas. The truth is, honestly, this is the month that our church needs to invite people the most. Not only are people more like willing to go to church during Christmas, but because this sermon series is, is very evangelistical, is very teaching, uh, and is very foundational. By the way, how many of you guys received a word last week from Minister Eva? Come on, she absolutely spoke. You can do better than that. Can we honor the, can we honor the word that was spoken last Sunday? Incredible. Pray for her. She's still in Bible college. She's going after her master's degree. Hello. I want to read Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, because this is so cool. The gospel of Christmas is so cool to jump into it, but there's some interesting, interesting uh, truths about it. And in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1, it says this. I'm so glad John, uh, Pastor Jonathan alluded to this earlier because we're literally preaching the same thing. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Pause right there. If I had a girl that I was interested in marrying and, and having a child with one day, and she comes to me saying she's pregnant with God's baby, 
Uh, I think that that's a, that's a hard pill to swallow. Listen, and I love the Bible because the Bible's so real and honest. Uh, Joseph has a, has, a, has a moment to himself where he literally has to decide whether to report her uh, to the authorities, which she, in some cases she could even be stoned to death uh, for, for adultery in those times, or to keep it. And he, he battles with that. Should I tell everyone that uh, my girl Mary, she's pregnant and it's not my baby and I don't believe her? Um, or should, should I just, like, cover this up? Like, I don't know what to do. And I love that the Bible is so real. Listen, the Bible is better than any Netflix show you are watching right now. Like, I know we love drama, right? Don't we love drama? I, I heard a writer that writes movies, some of the favorite movies you like. He says, I write a bad story, and then it just gets worse. Like, that's, that's what people are into these days. A sad story that gets more sad, you know? And, 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 and I love that, we, you know, we're interested in entertainment and movies. And, but did you know the Bible is filled with so much reality and so much humanity? And, and, and the fact that Joseph says, I don't even believe this. And, and to the point later in the story... An angel did have to show up. But what's interesting is that as I studied for this message, theologians, you know, did you know that you can interpret scripture a lot of different ways, uh, but there is an original way according to the writing. And in the writing of this original context of Matthew chapter 1, the truth is, this, here's the next point, is that how did, how did Christ come to be? Is this the next point. It happened by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus came into the womb, right? The Holy Spirit delivered Jesus. He came into the womb of Mary and, and as a seed form, and then she was pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit did not lay with Mary. That is not it. The, the, the mystery is that the Holy Spirit brought Jesus into that womb. It happened by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do I have any Christians here today that know the power of the Holy Spirit? Do I have any believers today that you have the Spirit living inside of you? He's just not inside you to convict you, but he's bringing out some fruit of the Spirit. Come on, is the Spirit in anybody this morning? Because here's the truth, and here's what I want to speak to you. As we end this series, and as we go into next year, I pray that when God opens the door for you next year, that you say it happens happened by the power of the Holy Spirit. I really believe this next year coming up will be your best year if it's your best year spiritually. Why? Because when God opens a door, you ought to give him glory and say it happened by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray next year when you get that man you've been praying for, don't 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 accredit it to your looks, don't accredit it to your bank account, don't accredit it to your style. Say it happened by the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. You see, if I don't give God glory, God won't give me a blessing. And I hope this is the story of your life next year. I don't know how it happened, but it just happened by the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe some of us next year and the remaining of this year that God's going to set you free from addiction and it's going to happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. Obviously, some people are going to be set free from bad management of finances and relationships. I pray in the name of Jesus that you see new rivers, you see new roads. I prophesy over you and your family. But it's all hinged on your ability to give God the glory for what he's doing in your life. If you believe that, can you shout amen?
Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. Jesus prepared the disciples for his departure and his first time speaking to the disciples saying, I'm going to be given over to my enemies. I'm going to be I'm going to I'm going to be put to death. And they didn't take my life. I gave my life in the middle of him explaining this to his disciples. One of the disciples said, hey, you're not going to do that. You're not going to die. You're not going to go and, and go back to the kingdom. You got to build the kingdom here. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And he wasn't talking to literal Satan. He was talking to the spirit behind of what the disciple was saying. In other words, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not here to just be alongside you. Jesus is saying, I'm not here just to be alongside you. I'm going to send my spirit to cover the earth. So whoever believes in me, they not only get heaven, but right there the Holy Spirit is deposited into every heart of a man and a woman that believes in me. And I've been leading young adults for seven years. And, you know, one of the things we like to say is I'd love to be around in Jesus' time. Are you sure? Imagine to talk to disciples. How does it feel to be alongside Jesus? I can imagine them giving the mic back to you. How does it feel for Jesus to live inside of you? How does it feel? How does it feel to hear Jesus sleeping on the boat? He's probably like, how does it feel to hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit in the middle of the night? Let's not overlook the plan of Jesus. It's not that he was just born. It's not that he lived perfect. It's not only that he died. It's not only that he resurrected. He's coming back again. And his spirit is unleashed on the world. Christian, do you, follower of Jesus, do you know how hard it is to have Jesus as Lord without the Holy Spirit? Do you know how hard it is to die to your pride and forgive someone without the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you know how hard it is to tithe consistently without the Holy Spirit? Do you know how hard it is to serve and tap into the potential and purpose in your life without the power of the Holy Spirit? Come on, lift two hands up like you just got stopped by the police. Come on, would you surrender right now? I need the Holy Spirit in my life. Guide me every day. I was filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized one day, but every single day I'm being filled up. I was baptized with the Spirit that day I spoke in tongues, but every single day I'm being filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are there any Holy Spirit agents in the room that are available for God to do something in their life because God wants to do some crazy things God wants to bring some miracles but you got to understand that it's going to happen say it with me by the power of the Holy Spirit the power of the Holy Spirit a sermon like this I hope it changes your perspective because a lot of us are disappointed in God because he didn't do what we told him to do but listen, if God never did anything else but die on a cross for you, that is enough. If God never did anything else for you, but he hung on that tree, he couldn't even be recognized with the whips, with the blood, and he literally died for you. Is that enough for new birth in Kissimmee? Is that enough for you to give your life for the church? Is that enough for you to dedicate your life to this thing? Is that enough for you to lay your life down for other people? Is that enough for you? Or is what God hasn't done stopping you from doing what he told you to do? I don't want to get so caught up on what God hasn't done that I miss out on what he's already done. He already saved me. He already baptized me. He already rescued me. And he filled me with his Holy Spirit. And he says the same spirit that raised me from the dead will live inside of you. And greater things you will do in my name. Is the gospel enough for you to give your life for it?
Because you know Christianity has got to cost you something, right? Jesus says, pick up your cross too. I don't just pick up my cross. You pick up your cross. You witness to your coworkers. So many people try to be evangelists without relationship with the people they're evangelizing to. Listen, you can't reach people without a relationship. In other words, we got to reach people relationally before we reach them with the gospel. Remember telling this to young adults all the time. If they're not coming to church and you invite them, invite them to coffee. Why is it hit or miss with the church? No, get connected to me because I'm connected to the vine. Just come close to me. Jesus did enough. My next point is this. Don't overlook the miracle that already happened. And that is that Jesus split our history in half by his death and his resurrection. He split history in half. If anybody is the son of the living God, it's the man that changed the way we count our days. If anybody's the son of the living God, it's who we base our time off of. I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. Amen. And I want to I want to talk to some people because a lot of time we pray for God to just change our boss when really God's trying to do something in us. We say, God, can you just change my spouse can I get a substitute Lord no God's not going to give you a substitute I put it this way it's my next point the spirit can change your environment but he also wants to change you God change my boss no God's gonna God's gonna show you how to be humble in this season God change my city no God's gonna show you how to submit to people that you don't love God's going to give you his heart again to love those who are begging for money on Sundays, to love those people, to think about those people. When was the last time you got uncomfortable for the gospel? And, you know, I, I hear a lot of stories of overseas missions. I was speaking with a missionary last week. I was out last week. I was with missionaries. And I spoke with a few from Taiwan. And I'm like, hey, so I'm, I'm so stupid. I'm like, how's your church going? And he's like, well, we're an underground church. And if we we get found out we go to jail that's how it's going we can't invite everyone to our church we have a coffee shop as business is missions we have a coffee shop where we reach people and with those that we that they ask for then we take them to a different we pray for them to get saved they've discipled 40,000 people in Taiwan the last 10 years and you know who's funding their ministry? You are every time you tithe to this church because we give without you knowing. You didn't know that. You, you're tithing here. We're not keeping the lights on. We're, we're feeding missionaries. We're putting gas in their tanks. We're responding to natural disasters. Every single week of last year, we responded to a natural disaster. But talking to them and, and hearing how uncomfortable they are for the gospel, they're the only Americans in the city. It's like, yo, and we get so comfortable here in America. But here's the truth, man. The gospel is still a powerful thing, yo. And it's worth giving our lives to. I know we're going to continue to grow. I'm, I'm telling you, friends, the prophecy over this house is multiplication like you can't even fathom, like you and I can't even fathom. But I don't want to get too caught up in who's coming. I want to also focus on who's here. Are we all collectively serving the church in different capacities, in different ways? Are we all sacrificing for this thing? Because he died for me, I'm gonna live for him. I heard a story once of, uh, it's a really cool story. It's actually sad and a bit morbid, but 
there was a young man who got in a car accident and he, he was on the list for some organs that he needed right next to him. And if you've been in church, you've heard this story before. I've said it so many times. Right next to him was another young person who had a 10% chance of living. So one side of the room, this, this one student, he just needs organs and he's back. I mean, he just needs organs. He's back to 100%. The other side of the room, there's a child there with a 10% chance of living. Same blood type. And that percent just kept going down. The doctors approached the parents of the, of, the, of, the, of the other child, and he says, hey, there's a student next door. Your son's organs match up perfectly. The blood type, everything works perfectly. There's a 90% chance that he survives. For your son, even with the organs and everything, just his condition, there's an 8% chance, and it's going down by the hour. The parents for a moment, they gather one another. Imagine that conversation. We are about to give up on our son. Let our son die for another parent's boy to live. And it just kept eating at them. That 8% kept eating at them. 8% kept eating at them, eating at them. And then eventually they told the doctors, hey, go ahead and take my son's organs. I'll take 90% chance for that family than 8% chance for my family. They do the organ transplant. It goes successful. The kid survives. The other one obviously goes to be with the Lord. The parents, a month, two months, three months after this, start feeling guilt. Like, man, I gave them up at 8%. What if that 8% would have went higher? What, what if, you know, the what ifs start happening. The what ifs start happening. And the boy that had survived actually went back into life doing everything he did before the surgery. And then, and then when he felt like it was good timing, he told his parents, I'd love to meet the parents of the family that gave me a chance at living. I'd love to meet them. They told him, hey, you can't go right away because it's too soon. Three years go by one day, and the parents are in the house, and they're looking, you know, they turned all the frames around. They're, they're they're just scarred. I gave up on my son. They're scarred. And, and they're, you know, just, they enter a state of depression. They hear one day a ring at their doorbell. And they open the door, and they see a kid. They didn't even recognize that that was, that was the kid their son died for. So the kid says, hey, you don't know me, but here's my name. And they heard the name, and they immediately start bawling. And he says, before I leave, I just want to let you know how I've been living ever since your son died for me. I want to tell you how I've been living ever since your son died for me. Church, I have a question for you. God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for you. And he didn't die an easy death. He died a gruesome, ugly, nasty death. And, and, and here's the question. What are you doing with the information that you have? Ever since you found out that Jesus died for you, how have you been living for him? How, how are you living for him? This is the purpose and the problem of the gospel. Matthew chapter 20, verses, Matthew chapter 18, verses 20 and 21. It says this, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. I know, you know, you're about to call Maury. Don't call Maury, all right? It's all right. Leave him alone. 
she's conceived by the Holy Spirit. It happened by the Holy Spirit. Verse 21. And she will bring forth a son, and she shall call his name, you shall call his name Jesus. Here's the purpose and the problem of the, of the gospel right here. For he will save people from their sins. So his purpose is to save, but the problem is the what? Is the sin. This is the gospel of Christmas. That he came to save people that are in sin. Let me give you this next point, and we're almost done. It's this. Here's the truth, and the devil doesn't want you to know this right here. It's this, three words. I need saving. For some of you, that sounds obvious, but listen, what culture is pushing today is that you don't need God. You are your own God. You don't need to follow Yahweh, but you need to just follow your flesh and follow your heart. But here's the truth. The gospel will not affect people that don't know that they need saving. So more than anything, here's the purpose of the gospel, that I was once dead and now I am alive. I want to talk to some new converts in here. Do you, do you know what salvation is for? It's not that now you walk with a little bit of a glow. It's not that you now have a Bible. You got saved, not just, you know, you can have like a new birth bumper sticker and get that, that Christmas ornament. You guys put that ornament up on your tree? All right. It's not just for the ornaments. Like you, you, you were on your way to destruction away from God for eternity. Like, like God didn't just make like, you know, ugly people pretty. God made dead people back alive again. Isn't this the gospel? That I was blind, but now I see. That I was dead, but now I'm alive. Is anybody here still in that mode that I need saving? Come on, just raise your hand if there's anybody. Because I want to talk to some people that got saved, but you walked away from the cross. What toxic Christian culture told you? that only new converts stay at the cross that is not the case every single Christian every single day we go back to the cross every single day I didn't get saved and now I'm a deacon I didn't get saved and now I'm a pastor no I am first a follower and a son and daughter of Jesus and he saved me from hell he saved me from sin he saved me from addiction he saved me from darkness he saved me from pain. There's things I have to thank God for that I don't even know he saved me from. But the truth is, is that I need saving. Listen, if you're exploring Christianity in here, you can't help yourself. How can you help yourself if you're the problem to start with? How can you heal yourself if you're the one that's sick? And culture today says, read this book Hear this podcast. Do what you want with your sexuality and you will be fulfilled. Come on, any people have been around longer than five seconds to know that the promises of the world, they're only fickle and they're only for a moment. But the fulfillment and the passion and the peace that comes from following God does not even compare to any feeling, to any emotion, to any promotion. What purpose is it? be so wrapped up to the world we forget we actually need saving listen you need saving your family needs saving your boss needs to get saved so guess what you got to show up to work on time to be a good witness some of us don't want people to get saved because we actually got to be like Jesus now we don't want people to get saved because we actually have to walk around like people are walking away to eternity away from God 
No, but I'm an agent of transformation because the Holy Spirit is living within me and he saved me and I didn't pay for this salvation. I didn't work for this salvation so that no man should boast. This is a free gift of salvation. The real gift of Christmas is that I've been saved and you can be saved too. Romans 6, 23, this is the problem. This is why we need saving because the wages of sin is death. Pastor, that's Romans, that's New Testament. Let's go Genesis. This is what God said. Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. God said, eat from any tree, but in the, when you eat of this specific tree that I commanded you not to eat from, here's what's going to happen. That day you eat, you'll surely die. Did he know that early in human history, the lifespan of men and women wasn't 100 years, and the Bible's recorded men and women that lived hundreds of years. But because of sin, that lifespan has dwindled down and down and down and down. And here's what's so awesome. Science will prove it, that after Jesus resurrected, the lifespan in human history started getting a little longer. Isn't that awesome? But the, but the truth is that the, when, I, when I sin, the receipt is death. When I order sin in the menu, the receipt is death. And, and, and the waiter's holding the receipt in your face. It's time, it's time to die. But I'm grateful that Jesus died for me, as me, to give me a victory that only he had. And here's the thing about the devil. The devil's been playing the same games. Did you notice that? The devil has been saying the same lies. Look what he says. Verse 5. The serpent told the woman, it's Genesis chapter 3, you won't die. Like, Literal opposite of what God said. You're going to die if you sin. He says you won't die. God knows the moment you eat from that tree. You'll see what's really going on. But this is, this is where he gets so many people in the church and out of the church to fall away. This is, where he, this is his tactic. This is what he uses. We all deal with this. We all battle with it. You need to check yourself as I've checked myself, as we're checking ourselves, because this is where he operates. It's in this next verse. He says, you'll be just like God, knowing everything. I'll be just like God. Where in scripture did it say that when I sin, I'll be just like God? No, no, no. I know what the devil meant. You won't be just like God. You'll be like your own God. Because God gives you instructions. When you follow your own plan, you become your own God. God has called some prophets in here that you haven't believed what he called you to do. You're only doing what your boss told you to do. There are some people in here that God has given you an assignment. And we have put God's plans back because we serve ourselves. We, we serve ourselves. God, God could wait. I'm going to do what's best for me. You see how the devil is right in that? Don't follow God. Follow yourself. Don't follow God because you'll be just like God. You won't be just like God. You'll be God to yourself. Isn't that wild? And you know what? I see it in culture, right? They're going up to children saying, be whatever gender you desire. Whatever you feel you are. Follow your heart. Love is, this. Love is whatever you make it to be. And it's like, wait a minute, that is not true. But here's the, here's the sermon that the devil's preaching. He's saying, you get to be your own God. 
You get to just do whatever you want. Love whoever you want. And then I meet the gospel, and Jesus is walking into his church. He's flipping tables. He's like, what's going on here? Listen, are you your own Lord, or is Jesus Lord over your life? Because that's what the devil wants to do. I put it this way. It's my next point. If the devil can't change your perception of God, he'll just distort how you see yourself. If he can't change the way you see God, he'll just make you see yourself like a God. And you don't follow the voice of God, you follow your own voice. You don't follow the voice of God, but you follow your own plans. And here's the truth. When I look to myself for for provision, I'm greedy. When I look at God for provision, I see prosperity in the name of Jesus. When I look to myself for fulfillment, I actually come up more empty. When I look to God for fulfillment, he runs my cup over, says the book of the Lord. Here's the next point. This is the spirit of our church. Really, it doesn't matter who's preaching. Do you know that God still speaks through anybody? This church, you know, part of the culture we're coming against is toxic pastor leader culture where it's like, if the pastor's not there, I don't need to go to church. That's a lie from the enemy. Are you at new birth for a pastor or are you at new birth for Jesus Christ? He's the head of the church. He's the head of the church. Jesus is coming back for his church, not your pastor. Jesus is coming back for your pastor too. And so many times in church circles, we just elevate the pastor. We elevate messengers of God instead of the one who sent the message. And I want to give you this next point is this. Don't elevate me. It's the next idea. Elevate the spirit of God. Elevate the spirit of God. Don't elevate me. It's not by my gifts. I come to you. Listen, I have no teaching. I have no training. I'm a young whippersnapper up here. But I'm here because God told me to be here. And there's a message he gave me that he wants you to receive. Is anybody in this room today that understand that the church is not about people it's about the person of Jesus that is the head of the church we don't elevate people we elevate the spirit so how does this apply to your life and what we're talking about don't elevate yourself elevate the God within you yo your business don't exalt your business exalt what God is doing in your business and then watch what he will do in your business Don't exalt your family. Exalt the spirit that is building and and, and leading your family. And watch what God would do. It's something about when we give God glory, right, that he just begins to do stuff that we never could imagine. Here's the promise. We talked about the problem. We talked about the purpose, the person. But here's the promise. And it's in Matthew chapter 9 and 13. For I did not come to call the righteous but I came to call sinners to repentance. Anybody excited that Jesus didn't come for good people, but he came for bad people like you and me? See, if Jesus Jesus wanted to motivate the world, he would have sent a motivator, but he sent a savior because he needed to save the world. God sent Jesus as a savior. I want to end on this portion of scripture. It's the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It's found in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus begins to heal people, save people, deliver people, cast demons out. The Holy Spirit is in this place. That's the train to heaven. All aboard. That's like, that should be the cue to do altar call every week. What it is, because I'm done. And in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus, he's, he's becoming famous. Because people are hearing, yo, this guy, he says he's God. I don't really know, but, but he's healing people. And he's, 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 he's speaking the truth. He's, he's changing the city right now. So Jesus, you know, people are hearing about it. 
in this specific part of Matthew chapter 9, there, there are a few friends. They bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus. They heard what Jesus had been doing, and they brought their sick friend to Jesus. Pause right there. I pray the Holy Spirit, there are some people in your life that need Jesus. Amen? And they won't come unless you bring them. I just got to say that to somebody. These people, they knew about Jesus. They brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus. And look what happens. Matthew verse 2 in chapter 9 says, Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. If I'm the friend that brought my friend who's paralyzed, I'm looking at Jesus like, okay, now what? Your sins are forgiven. But what? I brought, like Jesus, you obviously see his legs don't work. You obviously see his situation right now. Why are you being so funny? You're, be of good cheer. Jesus, he's still paralyzed. What, is he should, what, is, what should he be cheering about? And the Spirit spoke to me. He said, listen, Jesus later in the story, good news, he heals the paralyzed man, all right? But before he heals the man on the outside, Jesus said, I got to do what I came for. I see the issue on the outside. But what's more important to me is the issue that's going on on the inside. It's not that he has two walking legs because he can have legs and walk away. We see it. Jesus healed lepers, 10, and only one came back to say thank you. And so, oh yeah, I can heal your legs or I can heal your soul or I can save you from eternity away from me. Yes, I came to heal you. Yes, I came to promote you. Yes, I came to love you. Come on, is God loving on anybody? Is God providing on anybody? Is God making a way for anybody? anybody yes I came to do all those things but first and foremost I came to save your soul when Jesus sees humanity he sees two issues the outward one and the inward one and he wants to go at the heart transformation in Jesus doesn't happen from the outside in it happens from the inside out I'll put it this way last point today what good is it to have a healthy body and a doomed soul. What good is it to have all the things you wanted? But then when you see Jesus in heaven, you say, man, I wish I would have followed you all the way and did everything you told me to do. It's the gospel of Christmas. It's, there's pain, but there's purpose in that. There's a problem of sin but there's purpose in that too, that God would set his son for our sins. To take our transgressions, to take our shame, our guilt, and our sin. Is anybody grateful for what Jesus did on the cross? Come on, can you get up on your feet? If you got two good working feet, I'm asking the worship team. Please come up and sing and kick me off. But come on, for the next few minutes, can you lift your hands up and just say, God, thank you for saving me. God, I'm sorry if I walked away from the cross. God, I need to stay at the cross. God, what you did is enough for me. Come on, just lift your hands and say, God, thank you for saving me, God.
every day I need saving every single day thank you for dying for my sins God and I want to show you and I want to tell you how I've been living ever since I knew your son died for me I want to tell you how I've been living and how I've been loving ever since I heard what your son did for me I ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes all over this room from the front to the back if you feel comfortable if you're here and you don't have Jesus in your heart we're not going to make this hard the Bible says make it simple the Bible makes it very very simple to be saved you just need to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and listen for everyone that's about to say yes to Jesus this isn't the beginning this this isn't the end this is the beginning this isn't the, the end point this is the start of something incredible in your life new birth family can you intercede in this moment all over this place if you want jesus i want you to raise your hand as a sign of surrender on the count of three unafraid and unashamed all over this place if you want jesus here we go raise your hand one two three anybody in here anybody i see one hand back there come on anybody else wave it at me wave it at me wave it at me i see two hands i see two hands i see three hands going up come on i see four hands in the room today amen church let's pray together four friends just said yes to jesus come on that's amazing let's bow our heads and close our eyes the same prayer we made one day they're making this prayer now change your life all over this place say jesus i confess that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Right my wrongs. Forgive my sin. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. I have faith that you are who you say you are. You're the son of the living God. And until you return, I will serve you for all my days. Come on, and everybody says amen and amen. Church, can we make some noise for people?